Welcome to Parker's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern-style worship and an on-time message from God's Word by Dr. Mac Amos. This week's guest speaker is Reverend Gary Cornelius. Really? I mean, aren't we past that? Church isn't relative anymore today. I mean, isn't it just a crutch? I mean, we don't invite people to come with us, or very rarely. So what difference does it make? Isn't church just a thing of the past? Or could it be, could it be that it's me? Could it be that, that God wants me to want Him more than anything else in this world? Could it be that God wants us to be desperate? And if that's the case, then the question this morning is, so, how desperate are you? How desperate are you? Sometimes we get offended when we hear that word desperate. But I'm excited this morning to be able to share something with you guys. God has given us a scripture this morning in Ezekiel chapter 37. You can go ahead and turn there. God gave Ezekiel a vision And he answered that question. God said, Ezekiel, I want my people to be desperate for me, and I'm going to show them how this works. And these principles apply to you and to me today. But that's what I want you to ask yourself. How desperate are you today? Ezekiel chapter 37, beginning in verse 1. Ezekiel is talking. Ezekiel is a prophet. The children of Israel are captive in Babylon. They're enslaved. It's about as bad as you can get. And I want you to pay attention to this this morning. And as we go through this, I want you to answer that question, how desperate are you? Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1. Ezekiel says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley... And it was full of bones. And he caused me to pass among them round about. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And lo, they were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you and make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin and put breath in you that you may come alive and you will know that I am the Lord. Verse 7. So Ezekiel says, So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and behold, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, behold, the sinews were on them, and the flesh grew, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, 
And they came to life and they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God. Behold, I will open your graves and cause you, cause you to come up out of the graves, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord God. And when I have opened your graves and caused you to come out of your graves, my people, verse 14, I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life and I will place you on your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and have done it, declares the Lord. I want you to listen this morning to what Ezekiel says to the children of Israel, the vision that God gave him. He goes on and explains what it is. The children of Israel being in captivity. They were all spread out. They had no nation as they used to know it. And they were struggling And I see this picture today just like we are in our nation and in our world. And I want you to see the principles that apply. I want you to notice some things that happen. Because see, this picture that God paints for Ezekiel applies to you and to me today. I want you to look in the first two verses there. I want you to notice what God tells Ezekiel. He says, Ezekiel, the first thing I want you to do is I want you to reflect He calls Ezekiel to reflect. He says, Ezekiel, I want you to look out there and see what you see. And what did he see? A valley of dry bones, dead bodies with no skin. And for a Jew to be laying out in the open with no burial is as bad as it can get. So in that vision, as he shared with the people, that means it can't get any worse. There are all these dead bones. He said, I want you to reflect. I want you to look. And when you look in verse 2, it says, He caused me to pass among them round about him. Behold, there were very many on the surface, and lo, they were very dry. A valley of dry bones. We just sang about it. But we need to understand if the church and if we as people, as believers in Christ, if you're a believer in Christ this morning, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then God is calling us to make a difference in our world. But it will never happen unless, first of all, we reflect. You see, what happened is he said, Ezekiel, I want you to share with the people and help them to see who they really are. Have you ever stopped to think about who God is? And who you are. You see they had no hope. They had no future. They had no life. And I am telling you folks. In my own personal life. And hopefully you have done this too. When I look at God and see who he is. I realize. That on my own I have no hope. I have no future. And I have no life. I have no chance in this world. On my own. And Ezekiel said. I want you to share with my people who they really are. So the question we have to ask then, 
Can a church survive without being connected to God? Absolutely no. But do you know what? Look all across our nation and that's exactly what's happening. People gather on Sunday morning, we go through the motions, and we leave, and we leave no different than when we came. And what Ezekiel says to the children of Israel is, guys, listen, you need to see who you are first. I want you to reflect on your life. And as you look at this, the first thing that I, I realize here is that as a church and as people, folks, we need, we need to be real about who we are. We have given the people outside of the church the, the, the impression that we have everything all together. Well, I'm standing here before you this morning telling you I don't. Okay? And last time I checked, when you go to the hospital, you go to the hospital or you go to the doctor because you're sick. I have yet to find anybody who says, I'm feeling so good today, I'm going to go check myself in the hospital. Just to make sure. But we give people outside of the walls the impression that we've got it all together, folks, and the church has to get real. We have to reflect and say, you know what? We need God. I didn't do that. (laughs) Good job. We need Him. We need to reflect and say, God, when I look at you and I look at me, I don't get it. I don't understand how he loves somebody like me. I don't understand how God can forgive my sin when I keep doing it over and over and over again. And the reason that God wants us to reflect is because he wants us to be desperate for him. Have you ever been desperate in your life? Nobody? Okay. Well, just me. Well, here's the deal. There are many times in our life we, we face a situation where we're desperate. I remember when I was a little boy, a young boy in eighth grade. That was just a couple years ago. It's not funny. Um, I had a teacher that loved to cut up. Now, she was serious. And when she was serious, everybody knew they better be serious. But, man, when she cut up. Well, an eighth grade boy, I'm going to be honest with you all, an eighth grade boy, I didn't know a whole lot, okay, I was trying to impress the girls. The girls were paying attention to the older boys. And so every once in a while, I'd try to take advantage of the opportunity to be cool. And so this one particular day, Mrs. Bostick was cutting up. So I thought I was going to be cool, show off in front of all the girls and the guys. I walked up to her, was cutting up and saying some things. And I turned around and I said, hey, guys, watch this. And I had this rubber band. And I can't do it now because I, I forgot. But I, had, I made a rubber band gun. Anybody know how to do that, Kevin? You know how to do a rubber band gun? Well, I looked at her, I said, hey, Miss B, what would you do if I shot you right between the eyes? And she would grin, she grinned, she said, oh, please do. Now, I was feeling cool, okay? I was, I was fine, had no problems. I was not feeling desperate at all. I was in good shape because the girls thought, hey, he's cute, he's cool, he's doing it. And the guys were like, yeah, he's the man. But somewhere in there, in the next two seconds, something happened. That gun went off. I'm not lying to you. I'm being dead serious. I shot my teacher right between the eyes. And you could hear the air suck out of the room when I did that. Everybody's like, (gasps) there was nobody laughing. I was no longer cool. I was starting to become very desperate. She stood up and she smiled. She said, oh, Cornelius, come with me. 
I was beginning to get more desperate. We walked out in the hallway. Can they still paddle people today? Russ, they can't paddle people. Well, back when I was growing up, you could get a board on the behind, okay? The board of education, they would call it. Well, my luck, you know, I'm such a lucky guy. Guess who's across the hall from me? My baseball coach. She goes and she gets the baseball coach and tells him what happens, and he comes out with a big old smile on his face. He said, Cornelius, I'm going to enjoy this. Y'all are starting to get the picture, aren't you? Then he did something, and this is what made me most desperate of all. He said, I want you to reach down and grab your ankles. Do y'all know what happens when you reach down and grab your ankles? I don't know if I can go down here. There is a certain body part that gets really tight. And if they put a board on that body part when it gets really tight about that time, it hurts. I can tell you, I can still feel today the board on my rear end when he hit me. It felt like he knocked me through the door. But folks, I was so desperate at that point, I didn't know what to do. He put that board on my rear end. He smiled. I went back in that class. I was no longer cool. I no longer cared. But in life... Too many times we try to cover that up. And what God is saying to his people here is until you become so desperate for me that nothing else matters, I can't do anything. You see, folks, when we reflect on our need for him, we become desperate for him. Do you understand that? When we reflect on our need for him, we become desperate for him. Let me ask you this morning. Has there ever been a time that you've been so desperate for God that that's the only thing that you wanted, that you wanted Him? If you've accepted Christ in here this morning, then that had to have happened because until we come to the point in our life when we accept Christ, we have to say, Lord, I want nothing else. I'm a sinner. I want you to forgive me of my sins. We trade places. But here's the real question that we have to ask. I know many of you in this room, I know you're believers. I know that you know Christ. But are you more desperate today than you were the day you accepted Christ? And if the answer is no, then why? Because if we're not more desperate for Him today than we were the day we accepted Christ, then we have lost sight of what God wants for us. God wants us to reflect on our life. We need to look at our life today and realize that without God, we can do nothing. And when we do that, we become more and more desperate for him. But I want you to notice something else. Not only do we need to reflect, he shows Ezekiel, there's a second thing. He says, Ezekiel, there's something I want you to do. Look in verses 4, and you go all the way down through verse 7. I'm going to read verse 7 again. God tells him to prophesy, and the prophesy is not, is not predicting the future. It is speaking under the inspiration of God. So when he says prophesy, he says Ezekiel, I want you to tell the people this is what I'm saying. So in verse 7, he says, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, the rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And he goes on to tell us that the bones began to form the skeleton, and they began to be bodies, and they made a noise, but they were still missing something. But what I want us to see here is that he told Ezekiel to do something. He said, Ezekiel, I want my people to reflect, but secondly, I want them to act. 
I want them to do something. And he wanted Ezekiel to set the example. He said, Ezekiel, I want you to talk to these bones. Does that seem weird to y'all? Could you imagine standing up over a valley of dry bones and start talking to them? How weird would people think you are? How crazy would they think that you are? But Ezekiel stood up and it said, he said, I prophesied to these bones. He said, Ezekiel, I want you to share the word. You see, what God does in our life, folks, listen to me. He teaches us things in our life before he allows us to try to help someone else learn in their lives. He wants us to experience what it is before we can share it with anyone else. That word act, you could use the word obedience. We've been hearing about that for the past several weeks. Brother Mack has shared that. Our revival speakers have shared that. But we have to be willing to act. But what happens to most of us, and I know this is true in my life, too many times, I'm okay with reflecting. I'm okay looking and saying, God, man, I I really need you. God says, fine. Now that you see who you are, Gary, here's what I need you to do. Whoa, wait a minute, God. (laughs) Put that time out. Let's put the brakes on. You want me to do what? You see, too many times we get scared. Oh, God's going to ask me to do something. This is going to make me uncomfortable. Let me go ahead and put your mind at ease. He is. God is always going to ask you to do something that's going to take you out of your comfort zone. Don't believe me. Read the whole Bible. You will not find any person in the Bible that God used that he didn't ask them to do something that made them uncomfortable. Do you know why? Because until we get to that point, we can still think that it's us. But when he puts us in a position where you're a little scared, you're a little nervous, you're not sure how it's going to turn out. God, i got to depend on you. Exactly. Then, then he can start to use us. And what he said to Ezekiel here, Ezekiel, I want you to speak to these bones, but we let fear today paralyze us and keep us from following through and doing exactly what he has asked us to do. Let me ask you this morning, what is it in your life that God has asked you to do that you haven't followed through with? Because you see, if we reflect and realize who we are in God's eyes and realize that we have to be more desperate for him, but we don't act upon what God tells us, then we're not going to make an impact. Ezekiel began to speak to these bones. And all of a sudden, things started happening. Folks, listen to me. Put yourself in a position where God can use you and only God can get the credit. Then you will begin to see the potential of God's power. And that's when our world changes because they see God. They don't see me and they don't see you. Think about Abraham. He told Abraham to take Isaac to the top of the mountain and to sacrifice him. Even though God had promised him that he would have a son and bless all the nations. But instead of Abraham trying to compute all that stuff, he told his servants, stay at the bottom of the mountain. We're going to go up here and worship. And he said, and we'll return. Abraham didn't understand how it was going to happen. And until he got that knife raised to actually sacrifice his son, that's when God stopped him. He said, okay, Abraham, now you've acted. Do you think that Abraham had a different view of what worship and sacrifice was after than he did before? You're absolutely right. 
And that's the same way it is in our lives. You see, guys, listen, God can't use us until we're willing to be used in whatever way he needs because he sees the big picture. There are so many people that are out there that need us. There are people who are hurting. There are people this afternoon when you leave here that are dying for you to talk to, not just the pen. Hopefully you're able to share that. But there may be something else to go along with that. They may be hurting and don't even know it. I brought this wheelchair in here. This was just in case I didn't make it through the 5K yesterday and had to, had to sit up here. But I brought this in here to illustrate something. There was a man named Ben Carpenter. Ben Carpenter was 21 years old. Ben had muscular dystrophy. And he lived in a town called Paw Paw, Michigan. How would you like to live in a town called Paw Paw, Michigan? Real place. And every day, Ben would go downtown. He would go to these little shops. He knew the people there. He had a motorized wheelchair. I didn't have one of those to demonstrate. That's a little too scary for me. But Ben, on this particular day, like he did every day, went out to the, to the town and was going through the shops and he crossed the street that he always crossed. And for some reason this day, Ben was a little slower. And he crossed the street. And about the time he got halfway across, the traffic light turned from red to green. Ben didn't know it turned from red to green. And neither did the truck that was at the traffic light see Ben. Go ahead and put his picture up there. That guy, Ben Carpenter, started to cross the street. When the light turned green, the truck left. The truck didn't see him. He didn't know the truck was there. And the truck flipped his wheelchair around somehow and lodged the handles of the wheelchair into the grill of the truck and began to push him down the road. 911 calls began to come in. People frantically calling the police saying there's a man being pushed down the road in a wheelchair and he doesn't know it and the truck driver doesn't know it. And it wasn't until he got outside of town the police finally pulled the truck driver over. Over 50 miles an hour, Ben was traveling in his wheelchair. And he was scared to death because he didn't know what hit him. The truck driver was scared to death when he found out because he didn't know what had happened. And I share that story because I wonder how many bins are out there that have gotten hit by a truck. They don't know what's happened in their life. You see, folks, when we act on his call, then we become desperate for them. We reflect on who we are with God and we become desperate for him. Then we act on his call and we become desperate for them. When is the last time you've been so desperate for someone to come to know Christ or to come back to Christ that you couldn't do anything else? You couldn't eat, you couldn't drink, you couldn't sleep? When's the last time you shed tears over someone who is strayed away from God or someone who is in danger of spending eternity in hell? As we look at this, this is exactly what God is saying to the people. He is saying it to the nation of Israel here, and he is saying it to us today. The dangerous thing is that we will not always have those opportunities. Sometimes they're gone like that. Let me ask you this morning, how desperate are you?
He said, Ezekiel, I want you to have the people to reflect. Then I want them to understand they need to act. And thirdly, I want you to see this. Verses 10 through 14. I'm not going to read all these again. But he said in verse 10, So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them. And they came to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. You see, they were missing something. They didn't have the breath of God. They didn't have the Spirit of God. And too many times today, we try to operate that way. But look at what else he says. He said, I will open your graves and cause you to come out of your graves, my people. And in the very end, he says, then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and done it. The third principle that I want us to see this morning is that God wants us to win. He wants us to live our life like we're winning. And too many times today, folks, we don't live that way. He said, tell my people that this is not the end. They win. I am still in charge. I am still God. And folks, I'm telling us today, God is still in charge. I don't care who's being elected president and this and that and other. It has no meaning to God until God's people do what God has called them to do. And what he is telling us to do today is, listen, I want you to live like you're winning. He said, I'm going to give you new life. I'm going to open your graves and lift you out. Let me ask you. Would, if you were fixing to die and they were getting ready to put you in the grave and God said, hey, I'm going to lift you out, would you not be willing to take that? That's what God says to his people. He said, look, it's not over here. And there are two prongs to this winning thing, okay? One, we are to win other people to Christ. And some of you are looking at me like, well, that's not my job. Yes, it is. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, God has given you and me a command to tell others about Christ. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9, 22. To the weak I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that I may by all means save some. We're to do everything we can to let people know about Jesus. What have we got to lose? If we don't tell them, eternity's at stake. If we do tell them, eternity's still at stake, but at least they know. But you know what? The other prong to this is living our life like we're winning. We're too focused on circumstances. Things get going bad and we just wipe everything out and we don't, wanna, we don't want people to be around us. We don't want to talk about God. We don't want to talk about what's going on. Listen, folks, Satan doesn't win. Do you understand that? Satan does not win. Hello, is anybody awake in here? Satan does not win. But too many times in our lives, we get focused on the circumstance. And if you go back and look at this scripture, I'm not going to read it again. But the people said, we're hopeless, we're helpless, we can't do anything. Too many of our lives, God has given us opportunities and we don't take advantage of them. I remember reading a story, true story about a pastor out in Texas who had started a new church. And they'd been going a little over a year. Man, the church was growing. But they didn't really have their own place. They were meeting in a, in a, a rented building. And this particular Sunday, <clears throat> excuse me, this particular Sunday, if I can get it out, they were having baptism. 
And they didn't have a, a, a portable baptistry like that. They basically had a, a, a glorified indoor kiddie pool, okay? And somehow, some way, the pastor got to church that morning, and he had forgotten that the water hose had a hole in it, and they couldn't use it. Well, this was back before they had cell phones for everybody. He called his other two staff members at home. They didn't have one. He said, well, that's all right. I'll just run to the store and get one. As he's going out of the church, this man comes in the door. His name was Rob. He introduced himself and said, Pastor, we need to talk. I've got something real important to talk to you about. And the pastor's trying to work his way to the car. You ever had a conversation with somebody like that? You're trying to work your way to get out because you're in a hurry? He said, no, pastor, you got to understand, we got to go sit down. I've got some serious things to talk to you about. So the pastor says, all right. So they go back to his office. And man, this guy, Rob, begins to share and just unload some things that's going on in his life. He is a believer, but he is struggling. And life has beaten him down. He was so discouraged and so distraught, and he began to talk to the pastor. pastor said, hold on a minute. He picks up the phone. He calls one of his Sunday school teachers to come up there. And long and short of it is, he brings his teacher in, and he introduces him to Rob, and he says, look, I want to plug you in. I want to get you in a small group so that you can grow and get out of this. And he said, Pastor, there's something else I want you to understand. He said, I went to another church in town a couple months ago. Once I started telling them everything that was going on, they told me not to come back. How do I know that you're going to be real? He said, Rob, I promise you I'm going to be real. So by this time, man, time is short. And he's ready to leave. The pastor's in a hurry, and he looks at his watch. He said, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to be able to go to the store and get a water hose and get it filled up and us be able to do baptism. And as they're walking out the door, Rob turns to him one more time and says, Pastor, I want you to understand, I appreciate you listening to me this morning, but I want you to understand that I wasn't playing around because I was going to kill myself today. The pastor, as most good counselors do, so really, Rob, well, what was your plan? Rob says, well, I wasn't planning on turning in the parking lot here. I was going to go down to the dirt road just a couple miles down. He said, yeah, I know which road you're talking about. He said, I was going to back my car up. He said, I was going to leave the car running. He said, I went to the hardware store yesterday, and I bought me some duct tape and a water hose. And I was going to put that water hose in the window. And the pastor looked at him. He said, Rob, are you serious? You bought a water hose? The answer that they were looking for, the answer that Satan meant for death, God turned around and turned into life. He used the water hose to fill up the pool to baptize people instead of taking somebody's life. And in our lives, folks, listen to me. That is what God wants to do with us. Satan may cause circumstances to go crazy in your life. You may do something really dumb and make a mistake. But God wants you to know we still win. And if we can't get excited about that, if we can't understand that, because you see, when others, when others see the results, then they become desperate for Him. When we reflect on our need for Him, we become desperate for Him. When we act on His Word, we become desperate for them. And when they see the results... They become desperate for him.
I wonder this morning, how desperate are you? Where are you in your life spiritually? You say, well, Gary, that's none of your business. You're right, because I can't do anything about it. I can't change one thing in your life. But I'm going to tell you something. My God can. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior this morning, then there's been a time that you've been desperate. But maybe this morning you're not as desperate as you used to be. Now, if you're sitting here this morning and you've never asked Christ to come into your heart, maybe today you finally say, Gary, I, I, I am desperate. I need Jesus, period. Now, listen to me. Focus here. I've asked them to do something a little different for our invitation. We're going to sing that same song that goes along with what we just read, Come Alive. But here's what I want to ask you this morning. How desperate are you? Do you want to see God move? Do we really want to see revival? Do we really want to see this world change? Or are we just giving God lip service? Have you reflected this morning on who you are and who God is? What about acting? Maybe there's something in your life that God has told you to do, and you say, Gary, truth be known, I hadn't done it. Well, guess what? God says, today's the day you get to do it. Today you can do that. Or maybe you say, Gary, I've been so discouraged, I've been so beaten down that, man, I just basically wanted to give up. Well, guess what? God's reminding you this morning to live like you're winning. That concludes this week's message from Reverend Gary Cornelius. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon dash series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.